was asking the Lord, like, what should I share? Uh, during this time, I shared a few thoughts last week. And, um, you know, prior to Laura, we were in a series called For His Glory. And um, it was really about living our life for the glory of God. Uh, if you really want to know why you're here, that is it. Uh, now, it will take on many forms and fashions and shapes. And it's going to look many different ways. Um, you know, but I didn't feel like I should just pick up where I left off with that series. And then we were supposed to be starting a new series last week. Um, if my yeah, last week. And, uh, but obviously that was our first service back and I didn't really feel like that was the right thing to do. And, uh, and so I just want to share some thoughts with you today about where we're at. Um, because the series that we would be have stepped into, and we may jump into it here in a little bit, uh, was called, are we there yet? And it's really about the end times. Cause I know a lot of people, I mean, I, you know, I'm 40 and I don't remember a time in my lifetime that three storms hit this coast in the same month. And yet that's what we're looking at right now. And, uh, you know, and so you see things like that. There's lots of things going on in the world. If you watch the news and, uh, you know, <laughs> or if you get on the internet and, um, you know, all these things, but we see all of these things happening. And yet it's, you just kind of have the answer, like, where's all this headed and where's all this going to end up? And so, uh, I want to share just a couple of thoughts with you here today about this, and it'll somewhat be along that line, but also will give us some context for what should we be doing right now, uh, in this environment that we find ourselves in because we're in a bit of a unique environment here because hey we just went through a massive storm that has wide wide widespread um damage you know and so uh, even as i was talking to these different relief agencies and these guys who do all these things you know they said minus flooding this is the worst storm we've ever seen and this is what these guys do so they said the only thing that could have made this any worse would be as if there was flooding added to it and uh you know, and so even for the guys who, what I would consider the professional disaster relief guys, they're like, this is so widespread and such a huge area that it covered that they're like, you know, we've never really seen anything like that. And so we're in the midst of a pandemic, trying to rebuild our community, trying to figure out which way's up. And there's just a lot coming at us right now. And, um, you know, but you try your best to process and come to grips with things, come to, you know, just trying to get some bearings. And so I want to share a few things with you uh, today. And I'm going to read a couple of scriptures, but the first one I'm going to read out of Colossians chapter three. I'm just going to read verses one through four. But I believe that it gives us perspective. And it's one of the reasons that I love scripture is because scripture can give us perspective that seemingly nothing else can uh, because it is the word of God and it does give us hope. But it says here in verse one, it says, since you've been raised to new life with Christ, it says, set your sights on the realities of heaven. So focus, right? Don't just look here. He, so he goes on, he says, set your, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. He says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't consider or take care of things like, hey, you should probably tarp your roof. Like, you're not going to wake up one morning and somebody's magically in the middle of the night. God's not going to send angels to tarp your roof. So that's not what he's talking about here. What he is talking about is your focus and really where you give the majority of your time to. Don't get so wrapped up in this life that you forget that there is a life to come. Right? And so that's what he's talking about here. So he says, think about the things of heaven, not of earth. He says, for you've died to this life. In other words, your reward is not this life. Your reward is to come. 
He says your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, the whole world, or is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. And, and it's important that we understand this because the Bible here is giving us instructions on how do we live in the midst of chaos. How many of you think we, we qualify for chaos? You know, I mean, how do we function? How do we deal? How do we operate and live in the midst of chaos and, and, and all of these things around us? And the way that we do it is that we have to keep our attention in the right place. Don't get distracted. Don't get pulled away. We've got to keep our focus and our, and our thoughts where they need to be. And, and so here it gives us the instructions and tells us that we are to think about what is to come, not just what is. And this is an important truth for us. And, you know, and as I was just sharing with you, I, I, as I've talked to different people and had different conversations, you know, there's a lot of questions about like, hey, is this the end times? You know, is this what the Bible talks about? And what does the Bible say about the end times? And how will we know? And how do we, you know, are we there? Are we not? Like all of these questions. And this is what I can tell you for sure. When you look at scripture, there's a lot of things that line up. So there's one part of it. What I can tell you is that we're definitely closer than we've ever been. I can say that with absolute confidence. Now, is this the end times? If you read your Bible, it sure seems like it. Because I'll say this. If it's not, I don't really want to sign up for it. Because if it's going to get worse... It's like, oh my goodness, you know, I mean, all of these things that are happening, you know, but, and the Bible talks about that and talks a lot. Actually, Jesus talked more about the last days than he did anything else. Why? Because it's an important time. Sure. But, you know, and so I want to read a a scripture to you here and I'm going to read this out of context. I'm just going to tell you up front because I don't have time to read all of it. So I'm going to jump right in, but there is something I want you to see, but so it's in Luke chapter 21. I'm going to start in verse 24. So I'm kind of jumping in mid-thought, but you can go read before this. But it's actually Jesus talking about the future because the disciples asked the question like, hey, are we there? Like, is this the end times? Like, what's, what's the future going to look like? Are there going to be signs? And so Jesus has this dialogue. But he picks up, and I, want to, I just want to pull out one thing here um, that he said. But he says, and he, so he's talking about Jerusalem. He's talking about what's going to happen. You know, all of these things. And he says that Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period or the time of the Gentiles has come to an end. Now, so this is important because God has a timetable and it is not our timetable. There's two types of time in scripture. There's Kairos time, which is like our watch, you know, the calendar. And it clicks along every 24 hours, 365 days a year, month to month, all of those things. But then in scripture, there's also a thing, which is actually this word here, where it says the time of Gentiles is actually the word kairos, which is a God appointed moment. Like God did not look at the span of human history and say, which by most accounts, Jesus was not born in December, but we'll play along for calendar sake, right? Just stick with me for my point. We don't have to argue the theology of it, but Jesus or the father did not look in the span of human history and say on December 25th, Jesus will be born and we're going to flip the calendar there. Like that's not the way that it worked. God said at this moment in time, and it was a divine interruption into 
chronos time, whereas a God-ordained moment happened. And Jesus was born. And so we know all these things. And here it says that God has actually, what, given the Gentiles a time. In other words, we're on the clock. There is a clock that is running. And we don't have time to really dig into all this today. We will, hopefully, in the near future as far as what this means. But the Bible is very clear that we don't have to be ignorant. It's the beauty of Scripture is that it can give us amazing clarity for the time in which we live. And and it's not to scare us. If it scares you, it's because you don't understand it yet. It actually should give us great hope and give us great joy. It should actually uh, cause us to to strengthen up a little bit. Why? Because we know that God is in charge. Is that God knows what's going on and we don't have to be too worried about the weight of it all. I'm not saying that we should just be careless, but we should be carefree. There's a difference. I don't have to carry the weight of everything that's happening around me. So it goes on here, that was verse 24, and in verse 25 it says, uh, and this is again, Jesus is still speaking here, and he says that there's going to be strange signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, and there's all kinds of things that have happened, even in our solar system, that are pointing to the return of Christ, and the really neat things that are happening, and it says, and here on uh, earth the nations will be in turmoil, they'll be perplexed and uh, by the roaring seas and the strange tides. It says, people will be terrified by, at what they see on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. It says, then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, he says, stand, uh, or stand and look up because your salvation is drawing near. Now, notice it didn't say go find a a cave and hide. It says stand up and look up. Why? Because your Messiah is getting ready to come. Jesus, the Savior, the one that we've been waiting on. And I'm not telling you that, hey, Jesus, come back next week. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that we ought to live prepared. And if we understand what God's timetables are, then... It will help us stay focused on the right things. You know, like I used to run track in middle school. And so I kind of had a specialty, if you will. I ran like the four and the 800 meter. That was kind of my race because I wasn't a great sprinter, like coming out of the blocks per se. But what I could do was I could run at a pretty good pace. And then that last quarter, I could kick it into full Right? Why? Because there was a definite end. And I would pass people. That last turn, it was fun. I loved it. And, uh, so I was pretty good at it. And so that was a lot of fun to me because all these kids who were way faster than me, they would take off sprinting, right? Well, eventually I would just start catching them and I'd pass one. And then uh, it was a lot of fun for me. Not so much for them. But, uh, but what happens is, and, and any time that we see a finish line, what does it give us? It tells us that we need to pick up the pace. Let me say it, let me use a, a, a culturally relevant term is that we ought to hustle a little bit more because we realize that time is not infinite. We, we're not just here for the rest of our life. We may be, we may not be. But if I understand that there's a finish line and that finish line is coming, it's time to pick up my pace. It's time for me to be very intentional about the steps that I take, the things that I do, what I'm focused on, even my priorities and what's important to me. You know, I I love what somebody said, and just so that 
because I want to make sure that I'm very clear. And I stole it from somebody. I don't remember who. But they said is that we ought to plan like Jesus isn't coming back in our lifetime, but we ought to live like he's coming back tomorrow. So there is a balance. I'm not saying that go empty your bank account and give everything away. And that's not what I'm telling you to do. But we ought to live like that, hey, Jesus could come back at any moment. Because according to scripture, there's a lot of things and a lot of uh, things that were prophesied, which all that means is that God said it long before it ever happened. That's all that means. The Bible says that God declares the end of something from the beginning. So you can actually go and look throughout Scripture. And time after time after time, God said, this is going to happen. And guess what? It's going to happen. We see it happening right now with all the nations. I mean, there was, a, there was peace. There was a big ceremony this week at the White House. It's in the Bible. Written 2,500 years ago. And it happened this week. This year, Jerusalem became the capital of Israel. First time in thousands of years. Doesn't seem like a big deal, except that God said it would have to happen before the end would come. These things seem random, seemingly don't make a difference. But you see nations and and all these things that are shifting and, and alliances that are being made that they don't even like each other. But yet some of them are banding together, even in the name of peace, for peace. And it's like, why would they do that? They don't even get along. And there's nations who are now even partnering with Israel. And and the Bible talks about all of these things. And there's like, you know, and so to a certain degree, all the pieces of the puzzle are starting to line up. Where even a few years ago, it's like, man, it just seems like we're too far away from that. But how quickly things have happened. And, And even spiritually speaking, things have seemingly sped up a little bit. And things are starting to happen at a much faster pace. You know, but again, for us as a church and as Christians, as believers, that should not cause us to be fearful. It should actually give us more confidence in the word of God. To say, hey, this doesn't surprise God. This isn't taking him by surprise. And and so, you know, I'll use an example. How many of you have watched a football game and you're frustrated, like with your team, the entire game? And then they get down to like the last two minutes and then all of a sudden it seems like they can make no wrong call and every play they call just works. Right? We call it the two-minute offense. And it's like, where has this been the whole game? Anybody else? You know what I'm talking about? And it's like, why can't we just play like this for 48? Why? Because there's urgency. There's focus. There's much more attention to detail. Everybody's on their block and running their route and doing what they're supposed to do very closely. And they're right on task. And it's amazing how things work when people are focused. And so I think that we as believers ought to kind of have that two-minute mentality. I'm not saying we don't take care of our families. I'm not saying we don't take care of our natural things. We still are natural people, but we are not solely natural. We are spiritual people that live in a natural world. And that's the difference. And so, and I believe that that's where even having a clear vision and an understanding of why you're here matters. Because if you have clear purpose, then you have clarity. It gives you an idea. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And if you don't know, I I can summarize real simply is that really everybody's here for two reasons. Now, again, you know, yes, you could say was to bring God glory. Yes. But how do you do that? You love God and you love others. That's the reason we're here. 
And that's the greatest commandment, right, that Jesus taught. He said, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is equally as important as to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, right now we have a lot of neighbors who need help. And so if we're able to, you know, and I shared this last week, like our facility here, we had very, very, very minimal damage to our facility. And so I took that as a responsibility, not as a fortunate thing. Like, oh, we're blessed. We are, but it's also a responsibility now to help other people. And because our facility was intact, it allowed me to say yes to a lot of things to help a lot of people very easily. And so we were able to do some of those things. And, uh, you know, and so even if you are here and you're like, man, we are good. Great. That's awesome. I mean, we personally were very fortunate. We lost all of our trees, which I'm not real happy about, but it's what it is, right? But I've been able to pretty much be here since the day after the storm. My house has been livable, you know, so forth, so on, those things. Okay, but so now that I've gotten my stuff taken care of and have had it taken care of, now I can make sure and be very focused on helping other people. And that's what we need to do once we're in a place. Okay, let's start thinking about others. Let's start living outside and beyond ourselves. And, um, you know, and obviously you've got to have things in place. And so, you know, and let me say this is that you don't just have to wait until you're good to start helping somebody else either. Because sometimes we can get so focused on what we don't have or, or the bad things that have happened to us. And what we really need to do is start serving somebody else because it keeps our, per, our perspective right. And helps us to see it in the full picture that we need. And so, so I want to shift gears just slightly here. But I want to read another scripture here. And this comes out of Second Timothy. And this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. He's talking about the last days. And he tells Timothy, he says, hey, in the last days, it's going to be bad. Now, this is the David translation. So just stick with me here. He said, things are going to be a little crazy. Things are going to be, you just, it's not going to be good. But he says a couple things and they really kind of stuck out to me as I was praying and and the Lord kind of brought this scripture back to me. And and so, because he starts giving descriptive words about what the climate and the culture will be like during the last days. And so, but I thought it was interesting because actually, and I'm going to share it with you here in a moment, is something that God put in my heart and then he reminded me of this scripture after the fact. And he said that this this would be one of the things that uh, will be a marker, if you will, of the culture, the climate that we'll see in the last days. And so starting here in verse 3, it says that people will be unloving and unforgiving. Unloving and unforgiving. It says they will slander others. They'll have no self-control. They'll be cruel. They'll hate what is good. And they will betray their friends, be reckless, and will even be puffed up with pride. So one of the things that I felt like, because this, and this is where it's going to get practical, is I believe one of the opportunities and one of the ways that the enemy is working right now to try to get into people's lives is to get us to respond in a negative light to how people treat us. So when people are unloving towards us, our natural reaction is what? To be unloving in return. We want to get offended. We want to get our feelings hurt. Well, why would you say that about me? And I think it's interesting here how it says that people will betray their friends. Just a side note, but you can only be betrayed by somebody close to you. If a stranger betrays you, it's not really betrayal. Why? Because you didn't trust them anyways. So to be betrayed means you have to have trusted that person. 
And the enemy, I believe that even as we're moving forward and walking through these times, because if the enemy can get you in a place of, of unforgiveness and bitterness, there goes your joy. There goes your strength. There goes everything that you need to actually walk through these days that we are facing successfully. So this is a big deal. And it says that people will be unloving. They will be unforgiving. Well, it doesn't say that this is about the world. It just says people. Well, these are saved and unsaved people. It says that they will be unloving and unforgiving. But we need to be careful. Why? Because we need to be watching our own heart. You know, I was thinking about, you know, Jesus on the, as really a, kind of the last moments of his life. It's definitely his worst day. I mean, he's been beaten, he's been kicked, he's been spit on, he's been yelled at. All kinds of things have been said and done to him. And yet, even on his worst day, Jesus was able to look at people and pray for them and say, Father, forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're doing. On the cross, right before he breathes his last breath... There's a criminal on either side of him and one is mocking him and the other one says, I believe that you're a good man. And Jesus has this moment, even in death, of being concerned about somebody else. Now, how could Jesus do that? It's because he was actually motivated 100% by love. Like the love of God. And the Bible says that same love, love has been what? It's been put into us. Is that we're actually stronger than we think. We can actually overcome more than we think. We can handle re- relational dynamics better than we think when we live from that place. So we were looking at there in Colossians, when I, the first scripture I shared with you. Is that this life has to be lived from the right place if it's going to be lived out successfully, properly. And we've got to live from that centered point. And, and, and so... You know, if you want to read it, it's over in Luke chapter 23 where Jesus actually kind of, you can read about this moment of Jesus' life. And yet even in his worst moment, he was still mindful and thoughtful of others around him. He was still praying for people. He was, I mean, somebody spit in my face, I would get in the flesh. I'm just going to be honest. (laughs) I would be in the flesh in about a split second, you know, like it wouldn't take me very long. I don't know what my reaction would be. Maybe the Holy Spirit would come upon me and I would just like, you know, maybe I'd have this glorious moment with the Lord, but it would take that for me not to respond. It just would. I don't know if I'd be swinging, kicking, tackling. I don't know. I might do all the all at once. I don't know. But I've also had some things said to me and, and or said about me and that really should have warranted a much greater response than they did at times and yet it just wasn't that big a deal but it's because i saw beyond what they said and i saw the person behind it even though what they said may have been completely wrong and completely off the wall but that's those moments where I need the help of the Holy Spirit and you need the help of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I need the Holy Spirit just to keep me in check for me. It's not anything external. There's just things that I need him to help lead me in and guide me in in my own heart. 
And, and so I believe that we have to live from this place of really being guided by love. Because if we're guided by love, we're not going to be offended. I mean, that is one of the hallmarks, I believe, of, of what we see in the last days. Is that people will continually be offended. I mean, turn on the news for a few minutes. You'll get offended. Somebody's going to say something. Get on the internet. Somebody's going to rub you the wrong way. I don't agree with that. And why would you say this? And why would you say that? And all those types of things. But you have to realize that those are weapons that the enemy is using against you. People aren't bad, but they're also not as natural as you may think. It's not just surface level. There's a lot of spiritual things that are going on under the radar right now. And I don't mean just like on this great cosmic scale, like, you know, the end of, I mean, in your own life. Is that people are influenced, we are influenced much more than we realize by what the Bible calls the unseen world, the, the spirit realm. So there's a lot more happening than what we can naturally perceive. And so how do we navigate a world we can't see is we have to be spiritual people that live in that place. And then we listen to our heart to help navigate through these times. And that's very important because I, I believe it. And there's really three things that I see. And we've already seen it. These aren't like they're pretty obvious. But as I was praying, I felt like the Lord began to show me that that these are things that the Lord is are that the enemy has already been using, but that they're going to increase all the more. Like, going back to normal, there is no normal. I mean, we, we've kind of crossed a, a threshold here. And so there are things that are now just the norm. Like, I, and there's reasons I believe this from Scripture, but fear is just a part of our culture now. Like, the, 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 the phrase, times of peace... I don't think we'll ever see it again. I just, I don't. There may not be wars and we may not be shooting missiles, but fear is an unbelievable weapon of the enemy that he uses against people. Why? Because it works very well. It's very effective, right? And so, but we can be overcome with fear if we don't have our focus in the right place. And the enemy is going to continue to, to ramp it up. And I think we're going to see more and more and more. I mean, the Bible says in the last days that men's hearts will fail them. Literally will become overwhelmed with fear and they will drop dead. It's kind of crazy. But yet that's what the Bible says about the last days. So that's one weapon that I see. Another one is through offense and bitterness. But I think it's twofold as well. Because it's not just relationally like with other people. I believe people are going to become offended at God and become bitter towards God. Like, and I'll give you an example, like through the storm that we've all just experienced and what we've got going on, there will be people by circumstances who we would have never thought would pull away from their faith, but yet they're going to turn their frustration and begin to blame God for it. I think we're going to hear that more and more and more. So we have to guard our own hearts against that. Because we, that's, where, that's why knowing Scripture and knowing what Scripture says is so important. Why? Because, you know, a hurricane is not an act of God. It's part of the curse that is on this earth. And the Bible actually calls it, it's growing, groaning, that the earth will what groan and travail under the weight of sin. That it's Because Jesus is coming and the earth is saying, enough. 
That's why some of what we're seeing. And again, the Bible talked about it thousands of years ago. This isn't anything new. God told us that these things were going to happen. But, but I do believe that even as people see things coming on the earth, that, that they'll become offended at, at one another. They'll become bitter, yes. But I think they're also going to become bitter and offended towards God as well. You know, and so, and now this last one, I'll say it, and this isn't, uh, it's not a political statement necessarily. Say it that way, because it's easy to say this isn't a political statement, but everything is, right? (laughs) To a degree. But the last one is isolation. But I believe, and, and this isn't about the pandemic, so don't read this into it. But I believe that if the enemy can get people afraid and offended, what happens? They become isolated. They don't want to be in relationship with anybody. Therefore, they can't influence anybody for the kingdom of God. So that's a tactic of the enemy, though, is let me get you away from everybody else so that you have zero influence. Because if you have no influence, then you're on the sidelines. I don't have to worry about you making a play on the field. Right? And these are all in things that the enemy, the tactics that he's using against people. And I believe we're going to see it more and more and more as we walk this thing out. As we see things begin to happen in the world around us. The enemy is going to use these things to try to get people away from who they're supposed to be. And really in their calling. And so I want to... Encourage you with this, and it's a bit of a warning, really, it's not really an encouragement, but you really need to be cautious to not be too easily offended. Because it's going to be increasingly easier to be easily offended. And you'll be surprised how quickly you'll click over into that. And this is true for all of us. I mean, it's one thing to get hurt. The difference between being offended and being hurt is this, is that the hurt has now gotten into your soul. It's gotten into your heart. I mean, it's like in you, in you. But you got to head it off. And even if you just say, Lord, I release them, I forgive them. Even if it's never made right between you and them, you got to protect your heart. So in Colossians chapter 3, this goes along this line. He gives us instructions starting in verse 13. I'm going to read through verse 15. It's my last scripture for you this morning. But he says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. You're like, well, I don't want to forgive them. What does the Bible say? Forgive anyone who offends you. That's everybody. Any and everybody you got to forgive, even if they go as far as to offend you. You got it. Why? Because it it will affect and influence you. And it says, remember that the Lord forgave you so that you must forgive others. He says, above all. Everybody say that, above all. Above all, clothe yourselves with love. Love for God, love for people, love for those around you. One of the easiest things to happen during times and seasons and moments like what we are experiencing right now is that we just become calloused. We become jaded. We lose compassion for other people. Why? Because all we see is us. 
All we see is our problems. All we see is what we've got going on. And we're not really that concerned about everybody else. And yet here it tells us that above all, that we are to clothe ourselves with love. I mean, we all put on clothes today. You chose the outfit that you have on right now. So in the same way, you have to choose to love people. It's a decision. And that, uh, 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 it, it, so it says here, it says, we have to clothe ourselves with love, which binds us together in perfect harmony. And then he goes on, he says, so if we'll, if we'll clothe ourselves with love, he says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. If your confidence and your security is anywhere other than that, You're in trouble in the days to come. Now that's bad news for you if if you have your security and your hope is in anything but Christ. But it's good news if your hope is in Christ. Why? Because it says, let the peace that comes from Christ. The only thing that can give you peace and security and joy moving forward is to go back to him. And it may be a moment where you've got to pray and ask the Lord, say, Lord, okay, my mind is going 50 different ways. And I am overwhelmed in this moment, but I need your peace. Philippians describes God's peace this way. that It's peace that surpasses all understanding. It says that it would guard your heart, your mind, your emotions. It protects it. It guards them. So we have to live in that place of God's peace. It goes on here and it says, for as members of one body, being Christ's body, we are called to live in peace. How many of you realize that it's God's desire and God's plan for you to not live in fear? That's not God's plan for anybody. That's the enemy's plan, right? Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. I've come that you would have life to its fullest ability, fullest potential. So the enemy always wants to come in and tear down. He always wants to, to, to stir up. That's, that's what he does. And yet here, the Bible tells us that we are called to live in peace. So it's possible, even in the midst of a moment like what we have right now, doesn't mean everything has to be perfect. It won't be. But peace doesn't mean perfect. It just means that my focus is in the right place. I'm not just living for this life, looking at my natural circumstances. That I've got a mind on my life that is to come. I have a hope beyond this life. I have a reason to be joyful beyond this moment. And because of that, I can live in peace. I mean, just like choosing to walk in love is a a choice. You can choose to live in chaos. Some people love the drama, right? And it's amazing. The drama follows that person. Like, I don't know why. I just can't get along with people. (laughs) You seem to be the common denominator. So, you know, maybe we need to figure some things out here. But yet I've also had times where I've experienced where even in the midst of some really, oh, right on cue. 
Got some alerts going off here. Emergency alerts. All my devices are going off here. Everybody else's are too, so it's okay. It's okay. You can check your phone real quick. I just checked mine. I don't want it to keep vibrating in my pocket. It's annoying. No, man, even in these moments, and I've had moments in my life that I just felt like I was at that breaking point. Like, okay, God, I'm, I'm done. I'm tapped out. And it's like, man, I, I need to get away and just spend a moment with him. It's like, okay, I need to get into his presence so that I can find that peace again. So that I can get centered back on what I need. And the good news is, is that his presence is available to us all the time. Anytime that we want to, you know, I love that song that we were singing there in worship is, God, I look to you. Because you're where my help comes from. Give me vision. Give me eyesight. Let me see the things I need to see the way I need to see them. Just help me see things properly. And as we do that, we can live in peace, even in the midst of chaos. I mean, I I love the example, and I'll wrap up with this. You know, many of you know the story, but Jesus is on the boat taking a nap, and the disciples are freaking out because there's a storm, and he's back there napping, and they go and wake him up, and they're like, don't you care that we're going to die? They're all in the same boat together. If they die, Jesus dies, so... But they're not really concerned about Jesus. They're just like, what about me, you know? That's a pretty good picture of human nature, isn't it? And yet Jesus stands up and he's like, guys, what's the problem? And they're like, look around, you know. They're full on freak out mode and Jesus is just the perfect picture of peace. And what happens when you have peace, just like Jesus stood up with authority, because here's what I believe. If you're not at peace, you don't have authority. So the enemy is going to get the upper hand because you've lost your peace, which also affects your ability to have the authority. But just as Jesus stood up in the in that boat that night, he was in a place of peace. They were frantic, and yet he was able to speak to the storm and say, peace, be still. Because what actually happened in that moment was that the peace that Jesus had transmitted to the environment around him. I mean, I've seen this with my own kids. If I'm like at my breaking point, they just kind of ramp up, right? But if I can calm myself down and just be calm with them, they calm down. It's amazing how that works. Not always that easy to do, but but it's amazing how it works. So you can do the same thing in your life. When all the thoughts are rolling and all the pressure is coming, everything's stacking up on you. You just got to stop. Take a moment and pray. Lord, I need your grace. I need your peace right now. I need your help right now. And God is faithful. I said earlier, he's always there for us. Sometimes we need to call like a timeout and just take a moment and just say, okay, Lord, I I just need to receive from you. So I want to pray over you this morning before we dismiss. And uh, there were a couple things I had in my heart, um, but specifically the main one was this, is just for rest. You know, I know for me, you know, it's been a three-week grind, uh, pretty long days every day and kind of thing. And, you know, and it's one of those like, it doesn't matter. I could sleep for 24 hours. And I think I'd still be tired kind of thing. And, uh, and so we just need rest. And the Bible tells us that we can come to Jesus. Matthew 11 says, come to me, all you who are tired and worn out and, 
heavy burden, he says, and you will find rest for your souls. It's 28 through 30 there. And uh, it's a beautiful picture. And so I want to pray over us this morning. And uh, just what we have going on, what's on our plate, just the, the stress and the anxiety of this moment. But if you'll just receive from the Lord in these couple moments as I'm praying over you, I believe the, the Holy Spirit will just help you. That's what I'm going to pray, is that the Holy Spirit's going to give you rest in your soul. That that anxiety is going to lift and the frustration is going to, to, to ease up. Because it's easy to get all frustrated and bound up in things and be too concerned about what all you got going on. Here's what you need to know is he's got you. He's in your corner. So, Father God, I thank you right now. Father, I thank you that your presence is in this room. Father, you tell us in your word, Father, where two or three of us gather, Father, that your presence would be right there in the midst. And, Father, I thank you that with your presence comes your power, comes your ability. So, Father, I thank you right now. Father, for those who are weary from... These last few weeks, they maybe even walked into this storm already tapped out and kind of at the end of their rope. Father, I thank you for your strength and your life. Father, that refreshing in our soul. Father, that you said would come if we would just call upon you, if we would look to you. Father, I thank you for the ease of your grace in our life. Father, I thank you for your wisdom concerning every decision, everything that's on our plate right now. Father, you said if we lacked wisdom, all we had to do was ask. And you would freely give us wisdom concerning every decision that we have. So, Father, I thank you right now. Father, I thank you that you've not given us a spirit of fear. But, Father, you've given us a spirit of love and power and of sound and a stable mind. Father, we have no reason to be afraid. We have no reason to fret. We have no no excuse to worry. Father, the only thing that we have to do is to trust you. Father, that we are confident that you love us. Father, that you desire, Father, for us to live in your peace. So, Father, I thank you right now. Father, that I declare your peace over every person that's here this morning. Father, the storms that may be rolling in their mind. Father, I thank you that your peace overwhelms those moments. Father, I thank you for the calmness that comes from you, that peace that goes beyond everything that we can comprehend or may even seem logical to us. Father, I thank you for for that peace. Father, you gave it to us as a gift. The very same peace that Jesus walked in, he gave to us. And so, Father, I thank you for who you are. Father, for all that you are doing, Father, that you never leave us, you never forsake us. Father, you're always right here with us. And Father, when we look to you, when we turn to you, Father, we find the fullness of who you are and what we need. So, Father, I thank you that we can live freely and lightly, even during moments like this, where everybody else may be stressed out and frantic. Father, I just thank you, Father, that we can walk in your peace. We can walk in your joy. Father, I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.